0: I want to start in chapter 1. I kind of gave it to them a little bit late, so hopefully they have it there with us. And we're going to begin in verse 6. You got it. Thank you very much. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore, she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you might find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband, then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters, why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have an husband. If I should say, I have hope, if I should have an husband also tonight, and should also bear sons. Would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Oprah, I'm sorry, Orpah. (laughs) It wasn't Oprah, it was Orpah. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave under her. You didn't know she was in the Bible, did you? Now you know. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And whither, where, where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. I want to preach to you tonight with the help of the Lord on a message entitled "Do Something About It." Do something about it. Let us pray. Reverend Two Surge, please pray over our message and messenger. Amen, amen. You may be seated. I want to remind you, t- is it tomorrow, Reverend? They have the, tomorrow there is a Crossroads Kids Club party here at the church for the kids involved. What time is it? 4 p.m., 4 p.m. And uh, uh, we, matter of fact, when we were visiting today, we found a family and they were already talking about it, so that's at 4 p.m. for those who are involved, if you got kids, that want to be involved, talk to Reverend Hill, and uh, he can help you. It's a great thing. We have Bible studies in the public school and uh, in the YMCA. So we encourage you to come and be a part. Tomorrow, 4 p.m. then we're going to continue our series on Sunday. That's uh, The Characters of Christmas, Sunday, 11 a.m. And maybe we'll do this real quick. Uh, Little Charity was in the hospital. They were in the hospital all day today. Some things went on. She seems to be all right. Uh, The doctors couldn't find anything. We'll just chalk it up to healing. But why don't we pray for her? That's why they're not with us in service tonight. She was there all day with with Mom. But let's pray for her before we go any further, would you? Father, we come before you right now in Jesus' name. We pray for charity. We thank you, God, for your healing on her. And we know that healing is the children's bread. I pray now, God, that you would watch over. You'd continue to give her a speedy recuperation. And God, keep your hand upon her, we ask in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. I had an interesting visit not too long ago. Someone that had come to the church, and I may have told you the story, I can't recall. But they had gotten invited a while back, and they had a church at the time. But in the middle of that situation, things began to go south. And so he went and spoke to the church leaders, and they weren't planning to do anything about what he considered, what was biblically an immoral situation. And so he said to me, he, he then decided to come to our church, and when we went to visit him, he said, well, why should I keep going back to a restaurant that I know the food's bad? Why don't, go, why don't you go to a different restaurant? He said, you can't keep complaining about it if you know it's bad and you're the one going back to it. Amen. Now, I thought that was a brilliant little saying there, and it makes me think about so many situations in life. How that people get into a rough situation, and instead of doing something to get out of the situation, it's almost as if they prefer complaining about it than doing what it takes to get out of it. And I will be the first to tell you, there are times... That I've walked into a situation. Sometimes I've created the situation. Have you ever been in your kitchen, had a bowl of food, whatever it is, and then you knocked it over and made a colossal mess? And as you made that mess, you stood there and you looked at it because it was such a huge mess. And you didn't want to have to do what you know you had to do. And so you paused and said, I can't believe I did that. But then the answer is you had to start cleaning it up. Now, it may not be fun to clean it up, and it may not be entertaining to clean it up, but you knew it was a thing to be done to get back to that nice, clean kitchen. Now, how silly would it be to walk out of the kitchen and complain about a dirty kitchen if you're the one that made it dirty? And yet sometimes people dwell in a situation, a a mind that's that way, a relationship that's that way, a financial situation that that is that way, instead of doing what it takes to get out of the situation. So my encouragement to you tonight through our example is going to be, let's do something about it. Instead of sitting in it, let's do something about it. I think it was Albert Einstein who told A story of when he was a young boy. He had reached into the refrigerator to pour the milk, to get the milk to pour. And his little hands weren't quite strong enough. And when he poured it, he dumped the milk over all of the kitchen. And his mom came in. And she did not jump on his back. Matter of fact, she turned around and said, wow, you have made a huge mess. Would you like to play in it? And the little boy said, yeah, I would. And so there he was, he splattered around in it for a while, but after he had his time of playing with it, Mom said, now let's clean it up. And she gave him some rags and she began to clean up and help help him clean up the mess, and they got it cleaned up. And after they were done, they took that now empty jug and filled it with water. And she helped them figure out a way to pull it out of the refrigerator so that he would not drop it. And I thought that was an, an excellent example of how we should face our difficulties, our failures. You can sit around and say, I can't believe I did that. To, you can rue the day that the thing ever happened to you. You can stand in the middle of the mess and say, why is everything going against me? Or you can do something about it to, and then begin to learn from that mistake how that I will not repeat this again. A Bible reading tells us of a time when the children of Israel were experiencing a famine. Now, when God allowed famines to come by, it wasn't necessarily to chase them out of the land that they were in, it was usually to chase them out of the mentality that they were in. Typically, a famine or a drought would come because the people had forgotten that God was God. And they had gotten busy with everything else. And so God said, All right, if you want to forget me, I'll pull back my blessings. And when he begins to pull back the blessings, then suddenly they realize we're not as independent as we thought we were. And they would turn to God. One of these times took place. And yet we find this particular man, Elimelech, I believe it was. Yes. Who took his bride, Naomi. And instead of staying in the situation and beginning to turn to God and do something about it, they fled their situation. Now, I like what one man said, running from your problems is a race you'll never win. Running from your problems is a race you'll never win. And so instead of running from the situation, he should have stood there and done something about it. Begin to pray and turn to God. Begin to cry out to God so that God could do something about it. You know, it wasn't too long ago, even in our very nation, when, when communities who were facing drought, they would meet and go to the church. And they would call for a prayer meeting. And they would begin to pray, God send the rain. I'm thinking of one particular time when they... They had a, a community prayer meeting. And, and as all the people began to gather in and they began to fellowship, it was good. Some hadn't seen each other for a while. Some hadn't been to church. And then they looked over at one little girl. She came bringing her umbrella because she knew God was going to do something about it. Amen? You got to love that faith. Well, Elimelech left the situation and he went down to Moab. And Down there as he... Uh, took his two sons with them. It wasn't long until they found brides down there and they got married. Things seemed to go good for a little while, but then Elimelech died. And then the two son-in-laws died over a period of years. And then the story came back to Naomi that God had visited Bethlehem and uh, Jerusalem with bread, which meant that while they were gone, somebody had done something about it. Now, I'm glad that there are times that I've happened upon the blessing that somebody else has created. Sometimes we enjoy a shade from a tree that we didn't plant. Sometimes we eat fruit that we weren't the ones that tended to that garden. Amen? And that's a blessing, but it also speaks to us of, let me plant a tree that I may never enjoy the shade of for somebody in the future. Well, somebody, while... uh, Naomi was gone, continued to plant. They began to pray and seek God. And I don't know exactly how it happened. Maybe one year they planted and nothing came. And they said, well, we're going to keep on planting. And the next year they planted and nothing came. And they kept on praying and said, God, you've got to provide for your children. And as they prayed and planted, planted and prayed, they did the spiritual work and they did the natural work. Eventually that spiritual work came together with the natural work. And there was a crop. There was a harvest. And I can imagine the people rejoiced, and I can imagine them giving thanks and praise to God. God, thank you for blessing your people with bread. And it wasn't too long until that good news got down to where Naomi was. I'm thinking about Reverend Tuhigg had posted a story about some miners who had gotten together and they were mining a certain uh patch of ground, and they struck gold. But because I think it was at night, they had to go and get some materials, and they swore secrecy among the little group. Don't tell anybody because we don't want anybody else coming in to get in on our area. And they went to the store to get the stuff that they needed to get, and the next day they went back, but they found that there were already people at the area. And then one to another, they looked at each other and said, who was it that told? Who of you told? And finally they went back to the store owner and said, hey, how did everybody find out? They said, nobody said anything. They could see the glow upon your face. And when they saw the glow upon your face, they knew that you must have struck cold. Man, that's what happens when we get saved. People understand, man, that guy, that lady, she got saved. There's something real about them. There was a glow about them. There was a joy about them. And that good news that it happened because somebody had planted and somebody had prayed. And that began to spread till it got down to Naomi. And if there was ever anybody that needed some good news, it was her. Now, part of the problem was Naomi's mindset, but she got down there, and I read to you, all the way, I think, in verse uh, t- uh, verse 11, he said, she said, are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, go your way. I'm too old to have a husband. And she kept on speaking about how things were against her uh, all the way down to, I think you get into chapter 2. When she comes back in, she says, don't even call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Lord hath dealt bitterly with me. And Mara means bitter. And so she had a mindset that said, I can't understand why all these things were happening. Now look at the problem. She did not stay where she was supposed to be. Now, just because a difficulty comes your way does not mean that God is pushing you out of that bean patch. Sometimes God is saying you need to pray and you need to plant. Amen? Just because there is a hardship doesn't mean that you should give up and go somewhere else. Matter of fact, uh, 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 as we shared the other day, you always take the weather with you. Amen? Amen? And so if you've got a drought spiritually, you can relocate churches, you can relocate states, you can relocate countries. It won't change the difference. What you've got to correct first is the spiritual drought. When you get that right, everything, everything else gets right. She had an, a mindset that was corrupted from her own situation, running from her problem. But when she heard there was good news, she had a good response. She said, I'm going to go back. Now, I'm not sure what's going to happen when I get back. Maybe the people won't accept me. I'm not sure what's going to happen when I get back to my homeland. Maybe everything will be different. And she told her two daughters-in-law, hey, why don't you just go back, find a husband back in Moab. And the one, she turned and left. But there was another one that said, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm going to go with you. You see, when Naomi changed her mind, it began to impact somebody else. When Naomi decided to go home, are you still here? When Naomi decided to go back where God wanted, it it impacted somebody else. And that young girl who had never been around uh, God and the people of God saw something in Naomi and she said, Don't ask me to leave. Uh, Your God's going to be my God. Uh, I'm going to die where you die. I want to go where you go. And and that woman, uh, Ruth, uh, who followed Naomi back there, began to be in the very bloodline of Christ. Because somebody said... I'm not going to stay barren. I'm not going to stay away. I'm not going to stay with the bad attitude. I'm going to do something about it. Throughout the scriptures, you'll find situation after situation of people coming to God saying, God, won't you do something about it? And God would turn it around and say, I want you to do something about it. We find Moses uh, stranded at the Red Sea, and he said, God, what's going on all these people? And God said, why don't you just go forward? Lift up your rod and go forward. Why are you crying? He was, turned it around on him and said, I want you to do something about it. So right now, I want you to think about the situation that seems to be an impossible, an impossible situation in your life. For some, they would say, I'm looking for a spouse. Others would say, I'm in a financial bind. Somebody else would say, I'm dealing with some things in my mind or in my spirit that I really want to overcome. Another man would say, I've tried to get saved. I've tried to give my heart to God, but it just seemed to get sucked back in to the world. But if tonight you'll just make up your mind, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to come and present my bucket full of problems to Jesus and say, Jesus... I give it to you. I surrender all. Come into my life, forgive me and save me. And when you make that commitment to Christ, God begins to put the pieces back together again.